0: Good evening. I hope you've had a great day today. Welcome to BVJ's Bedtime Stories. I'm Big Boys Jay, and this is the show where we get you ready for a good night's sleep with public domain short stories just for you. Links to all the stories can be found in the show notes at bedtimewithbvj.com. And if you'd like to support the show, there's a Buy Me a Coffee link in every post. Tonight we continue our story The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham. Chapter 9 Wayfarers All. The water rat was restless, and he did not exactly know why. To all appearance, the summer's pomp was still at fullest height, and although in the tilled acres green had given way to gold, Though rowans were reddening, and the woods were dashed here and there with a tawny fierceness, yet light and warmth and color were still present in undiminished measure, clean of any chilly premonitions of the passing year. But the constant chorus of the orchards and hedges had shrunk to a casual even song from a few yet unwearied performers. The robin was beginning to assert himself once more, and there was a feeling in the air of change and departure. The cuckoo, of course, had long been silent, but many another feathered friend, four months apart of the familiar landscape and its small society, was missing too, and it seemed that the ranks thinned steadily day by day. Rat, ever observant of all winged movement, saw that it was taking daily a southing tendency, and even as he lay in bed at night, he thought he could make out passing in the darkness overhead the beat and quiver of impatient pinions obedient to the peremptory call. Nature's grand hotel has its season, like the others, as the guests one by one pack, pay, and depart, and the seats at the table d'hote shrink pitifully at each succeeding meal, as suites of rooms are closed, carpets taken up, and waiters sent away. Those boarders who are staying on, on pension, until the next year's full reopening, cannot help being somewhat affected by all these flittings and farewells. This eager discussion of plans, routes, and fresh quarters. This daily shrinkage in this stream of comradeship. One gets unsettled, depressed, and inclined to be querulous. Why this craving for change? Why not stay on quietly here and like us and be jolly? You don't know this hotel after the season and what fun we have among ourselves, we fellows who remain and see the whole interesting year out. All very true, no doubt. The others always reply, We quite envy you, and some other year perhaps, but just now we have engagements. Oh, and there's the bus at the door. Our time is up. So they depart with a smile and a nod, and we missed him and feel resentful. The rat was a self-sufficing sort of animal, rooted to the land, and whoever went, he stayed, still. He could not help noticing what was in the air and feeling some of its influence in his bones. It was difficult to settle down to anything seriously with all this flitting going on, leaving the waterside, where rushes stood thick and tall in a stream that was becoming sluggish and low. He wandered countrywards, crossed a field or two of pasturage, already looking dusty and parched, and thrust into the great sea of wheat, yellow, wavy and murmurous, full of quiet motion and small whisperings. Here he often loved to wander, through the forest of stiff, strong stalks that carried their own golden sky, Away over his head, a sky that was always dancing, shimmering, softly talking, or swaying strongly to the passing wind and recovering itself with a toss and a merry laugh. Here, too, he had many small friends, a society complete in itself, leading full and busy lives, but always with a spare moment to gossip and exchange news with a visitor. Today, however, though they were civil enough, the field mice and harvest mice seemed preoccupied. Many were digging and tunneling busily, others gathered together in small groups, examined plans and drawings of small flats, stated to be desirable and compact, and situated conveniently near the stores. Some were hauling out dusty trunks and dress baskets, others were already elbow-deep pecking their belongings, where everywhere piles and bundles of wheat, oats, barley, beech, mast, and nuts lay about, ready for transport. "'Here's old Ratty!' they cried as soon as they saw him. "'Come and bear a hand, Rat, and don't stand about idle. "'What sort of games are you up to?' said the water rat severely. You know it isn't time to be thinking of winter quarters yet by a long way. Oh, yes, we know that, explained the field mouse rather shamefacedly. But it's always as well to be in good time, isn't it? We really must get all the furniture and baggage and stores moved out of this before those horrid machines begin clicking around the fields. And then, you know, the best flats get picked up so quickly nowadays. And if you're late, you have to put up with anything, and they want such a lot of doing up to before they're fit to move into. Of course, we're early, we know that, but we're only just making a start. Oh, bother start, said the rats. It's a splendid day. Come for a row or a stroll along the hedges, or a picnic in the woods or something. Well, I think not today, thank you, replied the field mouse hurriedly. "'Perhaps some other day, when we've more time?' "'The rat, with a snort of contempt, swung round to go, "'tripped over a hat-box, and fell with undignified remarks. "'If people would be more careful,' said a field mouse rather stiffly, "'and look where they're going, people wouldn't hurt themselves and forget themselves. "'Mind that hold, all rat. "'You'd better sit down somewhere.' In an hour or two we may be more free to attend to you. You won't be free, as you call it, much this side of Christmas. I can see that, retorted the rat grumpily as he picked his way out of the field. He returned somewhat despondently to his river again. His faithful, steady-going old river, which never packed up, flitted or went into winter quarters. In the osiers which fringed the bank he spied a swallow-sitting, Presently it was joined by another and then by a third, and the birds, fidgeting restlessly on their bough, talked together earnestly and low. "'What already?' said the rat, strolling up to them. "'What's the hurry? I call it simply ridiculous.' "'Oh, we're not off yet, if that's what you mean,' replied the first swallow. "'We're only making plans and arranging things. "'Talking it over, you know.' What route we're taking this year, and where we'll stop, and so on. That's half the fun. Fun, said the rat. Now that's just what I don't understand. If you've got to leave this pleasant place, and your friends will miss you, and your snug homes that you've just settled into, why, when the hour strikes, I've no doubt you'll go bravely and face all the trouble and discomfort and change and newness, and make believe that you're not very unhappy, but... "'To want to talk about it or even think about it till you really need? "'No, you don't understand, naturally,' said the second swallow. First, we feel it stirring within us, a sweet unrest. "'Then back come the recollections one by one, like homing pigeons. "'They flutter through our dreams at night. "'They fly with us in our wheelings and circlings by day. "'We hunger to inquire of each other.' To compare notes and assure ourselves that it was all really true, as one by one the scents and sounds and names of long-forgotten places come gradually back and back into us. "'Couldn't you stop on for just this year?' suggested the water rat, wistfully. "'We'll all do our best to make you feel at home. You've no idea what good times we have here while you're far away.' "'I tried stopping on one year,' said the third swallow. "'I had grown so fond of the place that when the time came, "'I hung back and let the others go on without me. "'For a few weeks it was all well enough, "'but afterwards, all oh, the weary length of the nights, "'the shivering sunless days, "'the air so clammy and chill and not an insect in an acre of it. "'No, it was no good.' My courage broke down, and one cold, stormy night I took wing, flying well inland on account of the strong easterly gates. It was snowing hard as I beat through the passes of the great mountains, and I had a stiff fight to win through. But never shall I forget the blissful feeling of the hot sun again on my back as I sped down to the lakes that lay so blue and placid below me, and my taste of the first fat insect. The past was like a bad dream. The future was all happy holiday as I moved southwards week by week, easily, lazily, lingering as long as I dared, but always heeding the call. No, I had had my warning. Never again did I think of disobedience. Ah, yes, the call of the south, of the south, twittered the other two dreamily. Its songs, its hues, its radiant air. Oh, do you remember, and forgetting the rat. They slid into passionate reminiscence while he listened, fascinated, and his heart burned within him. In himself, too, he knew that it was vibrating at last, that chord hitherto dormant and unsuspected. The mere chatter of these southern-bound birds, their pale and second-hand reports, had yet power to awaken this wild new sensation and thrill him through and through with it. What would one moment of the real thing work in him, one passionate touch of the real southern sun, one waft of the authentic odor? With closed eyes he dared to dream a moment in full abandonment, and when he looked again the river seemed steely and chill, the green fields gray and lightless. Then his loyal heart seemed to cry out on his weaker self for its treachery, why do you ever come back then at all? He demanded of the swallows jealously. What do you find to attract you in this poor drab little country? And do you think, said the first swallow, that the other call is not for us too in its due season? The call of lush meadow grass, wet orchards, warm insect haunted ponds, of browsing cattle, of haymaking. "'and all the farm buildings clustering round the house of the perfect eaves? "'Do you suppose,' asked the second one, "'that you are the only living thing that craves with a hungry longing "'to hear the cuckoo's note again?' "'In due time,' said the third, "'we shall be homesick once more for quiet water lilies swaying on the surface of an English stream, "'but today all that seems pale and thin and very far away.' Just now, our blood dances to other music. They fell a-twittering among themselves once more, and this time their intoxicating babble was of violet seas, tawny sands, and lizard-haunted walls. Restlessly, the rat wandered off once more, climbed the slope that rose gently from the north bank of the river, and lay looking out towards the great ring of downs that barred his vision further southwards his simple horizon hitherto, the mountains of the moon, his limit behind which lay nothing he had cared to see or to know. Today, to him gazing south with a newborn need stirring in his heart, the clear sky over the long low outline seemed to pulsate with promise. Today the unseen was everything, the unknown, the only real fact of life. On this side of the hills was now the real blank. On the other lay the crowded and colored panorama that his inner eye was seeing so clearly. What seas lay beyond, green, leaping, and crested? What sun-bathed coasts, along which the white villas glittered against the olive woods? What quiet harbors thronged with gallant shipping bound for purple islands of wine and spice, islands set low in languorous waters? He rose and descended riverwards once more, then changed his mind and sought the side of the dusty lane there lying half buried in the thick cool underhedge tangle that bordered it he could muse on the metalled road and all the wondrous world that it led to on all the wayfarers too that might have trodden it and the fortunes and adventurers they'd gone to seek or found unseeking out there beyond beyond Footsteps fell on his ear, and the figure of one that walked somewhat wearily came into view, and he saw that it was a rat, and a very dusty one. The wayfarer, as he reached him, saluted with a gesture of courtesy that had something foreign about it, hesitated a moment, then with a pleasant smile turned from the track and sat down by his side in the cool herbage. He seemed tired, and the rat let him rest unquestioned, "'understanding something of what was in his thoughts, "'knowing, too, the value all animals attach at times "'to mere silent companionship, "'when the weary muscles slacken and the mind marks time. "'The wayfarer was lean and keen-featured "'and and somewhat bowed at the shoulders, "'his paws were thin and long, "'his eyes much wrinkled at the corners, "'and he wore small gold earrings "'in his neatly-set, well-shaped ears.' His breeches, patched and stained, were based on a blue foundation. And his small belongings that he carried were tied up in a blue cotton handkerchief. We'll continue our story on our next episode. We are always on the hunt for great stories like these to feature on the show. You can send your suggestions to bigvoicej at gmail.com. We've got a YouTube channel full of stories from the show. Go to tiny.cc slash Bedtime. If you found some value in our storytelling tonight, don't forget to show the love. There's a Buy Me a Coffee link on every post. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>